podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Today's show is brought to you by Maitland & Co, solicitors and notaries. Now, of course, we hope that you never need to avail yourselves of legal services, but unfortunately, life isn't like that. And Maitland & Co are specialists in criminal defence and road traffic law, and they come highly recommended from heart and hand. They cover all over Scotland, and they deal with all types of criminal cases, including road traffic law. They appear in Justice of the Peace, Sheriff and High Courts. They are on call 24-7, because unfortunately you're never going to know when you're going to need a lawyer and they are available 24-7 for police station interviews, prison visits, legal aid is available, competitive rates if applicant is not eligible for legal aid and first interview is free. Maitland & Co. have represented fans charged under the offensive behaviour at football legislation. So, if you ever need legal counsel, the best place to go is Maitland & Co. Get in touch with them at info at maitlandandco.net. That's info at maitland, M-A-I-T-L-A-N-D and co.net. 07714615845. That's info at maitlandandco.net. 07714615845 for all your criminal defence needs. Hello folks, welcome to Heart and Hand Extra, the second of our two weekly flagship shows here on Heart and Hand. My name's David Edgar, I'm your host, and I'm joined this week on Extra, I think making his Extra debut, it's the millennial bear himself, David Marshall. Hello my friend, how we doing? Hi uh, David, not too bad, happy to be on the show and look forward to some actual football this weekend Yeah, the international weeks are grim at the best of times but international week where it's just friendlies are awful and, and, when they come, yeah, and when they come at a bit of the season where things matter you can kind of be okay with it I think early in the season when, when everything's warming up but see now it's like, gonna just go away and let us concentrate on the shit that matters Exactly yeah, that's uh, beyond frustrating. So I take it that you weren't riveted watching the two Scotland matches. Do you know it's funny? We've got a Hungarian girl in our class at uni, and when we were leaving class the day of the game, she was like, oh, I need to go get ready for the game tonight, and a couple of other boys were going to bat an eye. We're going down to the pub to watch it, and I turned around to her and said, hey, who are Hungarian? Uh, who, are, who are you playing tonight? <laughs> Everyone just looked at me like, Scotland? I went, oh, are they? Right, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, but then Hungary, so, you thought, was a country. What what uni is it that, that you go to, Dave? I just UWS, right. the fine institution in there. Ah, right, ah, that, that explains Hungary then. Um, okay, well, we're not here just to take the piss out of your geographical misappropriations. Uh, we, we can do that, but that, that's not why we're here. We've got lots to, to talk about. First up, I suppose it's a Scotland-related question. There were brief appearances for Jamie Murphy uh, against Costa Rica and an even briefer appearance for Jason Cummings in that match against Hungary and uh, it did raise some questions among supporters of what's the point of putting someone on for a couple of minutes the the counterpoint I suppose is it was Jamie Murphy's first cap so even if it is just a symbolic thing it, it will be important to him and similarly well it means that Jason Cummings gets at least a reward so to speak for turning up uh, I, I would kind of suggest why not give them 10 minutes or so, you know, mm. as a minimum, because they are friendly, so they don't matter. But what was your take on that? Um, I'd, I'd have some face for the guys and the support. Uh, 
have the feeling of what was the point. Um, I'd give yourself as well, if you were going to bring on for one or two minutes, why not just make it ten in the case of a friendly? Uh, it's frustrating from a fan's point of view seeing that, but at the same time, I was quite happy just the fact that the guys are going to come back to us relatively fresh and injury-free. As well, though, we are getting players back in the national team, and a lot of us, our interests have certainly waned in how Scotland do over the you know last how many years. But the fact we are getting players back in that squad it is an indication that we are going in the right direction. I think so, and it is important to, to players, you know, to, to play for the national team. We saw Declan John mm-hmm. get uh, two appearances for Wales when they were over in China, and uh, some of the players that obviously playing with Gareth Bale, but you know, particularly the Uruguay match, uh, Luis Suarez, Edison Cavani. Uh, that's that's great experience for him and although as you say some of us are maybe not the greatest fans of international football th- there can be benefits to to these guys you know having regular steady international appearances for their team yeah absolutely especially when you talk about uh, John I was probably more interested and aware of what he was doing over the international break than I was the Scotland players uh, when it comes to that you know if you're playing with great players that's excellent but even in these international games, you get a chance to play against better players than you would every week in Scotland. So in the long run, it is going to be a benefit to us. Another interesting point, David, was on the Rangers' website this week in a really good article by Nick Thompson, he had pointed out that Rangers uh, had uh, three players in the under-21 team mm-hmm. and seven in the under-19 uh, under team, or under-20, I can't exactly remember. Go and read the article, folks. Give, give the site the hit. His point was that augurs well for the future of Auckland Howie and also the focus that's been placed on youth development there now as opposed to maybe in its original incarnation back when it was Murray Park that it was really just used as a training facility. I think that's a very good point, Nick's raised there. Um, it's really good to see us having, I think even more so than the first team, seeing these guys break through in the, in the youth ranks with the national team. I think... In the, Certainly in my life, then we have put much more of an emphasis on the youth side of things at Rangers than you know ever before. I think you mentioned the the point during the week, David. Um, when I, certainly when I first started going to games in the late nineties, early two thousands, I don't think I could have told you <laughs> any youth players at Rangers who weren't you know you know playing the first team like yeah. guys like Scott Wilson. That was about the extent of my knowledge. But now, mostly because of the situation we are, there is a lot more emphasis on the youth team, and we're starting to see you know. The fruit come through with that with guys like David Bates and um, Ross McCorry as well. So it's, once again, there's a lot of things that's not perfect, at Rangers, but there's some things we are doing right, and I think the way that the youth, youth development side that's gone now is one of the things that we're getting spot on. I think for my generation, we were so used to signings, and even going back to the, the kind of soonest days, there was, there was signings coming along, no transfer windows back then and signings were, were such a regular part of it that we almost became addicted to it and there wasn't really a clamour for young players to come through into the side and, and I, I think that it's interesting to hear someone from you know your generation, from, from mm-hmm. someone that bit younger who, would you feel that there's much more of an appetite because I certainly, I still think with with some of my friends, it's we need to sign players, we need to sign players, and it's just the way we were brought up. It's it's not based on anything. But Rangers, you know, especially during the nineties, we just didn't bring through youngsters. It wasn't something that was seen as priority. I think there certainly is more an appetite as well. Um, I'd say for even guys who are that bit younger than me, you know, your guys are eighteen, nineteen, they want to see guys their age breaking through now. 
I'll give you a good example, David. Myself and Andy from the Millennial Bears went to the Legends game at the weekend and we walked past that fan zone bit they've got outside uh, Edmondson House and we were talking about it, and Andy said a couple of weeks back he heard that Gary McSwiggan was there and all both of us kind of sneered on Gary McSwiggan, uh, Gary McSwiggan but that was the kind of youth level player we were bringing through back then. Yeah. And it's kind of, you know, the attitude that the fan had back then you can understand it because we weren't bringing through the top quality players. Obviously, he wouldn't have a very good career, just not really at Rangers. Yeah, and, so and they were, there wasn't a pathway. There wasn't, yeah. you know, they just, it, it was incredibly difficult to break through into that side because it was full of top players and there was always the the risk or the opportunity that mm-hmm. the manager could just go out and buy a kind of ready-made solution there and then. So it was incredibly difficult for a youngster to get, you know, six to 12 games, that kind of run and cement a first-team place. I think as well, David, um, guys my age have grown up watching that Barcelona team who are, you know, a large percentage came through their youth ranks. A lot of us grew up watching that team, admiring that team and, you know, wanting that at our own clubs now. No, that's understandable. And a nice thing to see that the Rangers are um, getting the rewards at that level mm-hmm. with players coming through. And a special word to uh, Ryan Hardy, who is, of course, on loan at Livingston. He played for Scotland and the next day flew back to play uh, for Livingston. So congratulations to him. That That's a, a hell of a lot of commitment. Uh, moving on then, the, the main stories that popped up before we preview the Motherwell match. Ali McCoyst in the papers this week saying that it's his understanding, um, possibly gleaned during his, his uh, trip to Ibrox for the Legends game, that something will happen with regards to the Rangers' managerial position in the next week. He didn't say what, only saying, I think that, I'm not saying that someone should, uh, a name to, that should get the job, uh, and I'm not saying Graham should get the job. What I'm saying is I would expect something to happen in the next week. Uh, Graham is intelligent enough to know what the situation is. Hmm. I must admit, uh, that didn't sound particularly upbeat to me for for Graham Murray's chances of getting the job permanently. No, and, you know, we've all heard rumblings the last few weeks. I think I think it's getting the case now, it's getting harder for the board to appoint Murray. I don't think a lot of fans would accept it now more than they did, you know, maybe four or five weeks ago when things were looking to turn the corner. I think a lot of fans are at the point now they want a guy to come in that's going to make us competitive because ideally, you know, the way we're looking at it, we should be challenging for that league title next year, maybe not winning it, but it's got to the point though the fans have suffered so much over the last, you know, five, six years that <laughs> we're at the point now, right, enough of a shite, we want to get back to where we, where we should be and they want a guy in there who's capable of doing that and I don't think many people think that Murphy is that guy. Like I say, and people who listen to the show will know I've I've gone backwards and forwards on it. I, I I did feel he needed something big during this period, and I suppose the last chance of that would be the Scottish Cup semi final, and then mm-hmm. final. I don't think just winning the semi final would be enough, as we saw with Mark Warburton. Mm-hmm. Um, Rangers fans, while we enjoy a, a good old firm victory, we like silver things waved at us as proof that that it went to plan. So, having not been able to sustain the league form in terms of maybe putting a bit of pressure on Celtic with the with the defeat I brought, um, I think he really needs that. But that kind of is why I would, I would be... Now, first of all, we don't know how much we should uh, store, we should set by Ali's comment. I think that that, mm. that caveat does need to be raised. That because he's saying this does not mean it's gospel. I, I would find an announcement next week, unless Rangers actually have someone lined up I would find it strange timing because the second that Rangers announce 
Marty isn't staying, then the countdown begins for a new job. Um, equally, if they were to announce he was getting it and then he was to lose that semi-final, then again, that's going to cause a reaction. And I just don't think that there's any real positive momentum to be gained by making an announcement before that match. I'd agree, and I'd be quite surprised if we... If we beat Celtic in the semi-final, I'd be surprised to hear an announcement before the end of the season. I don't think the board are going to see anything when we've still got something to play for. No, I wouldn't have thought so. I don't think there's any advantage to them. And I think they did get burned no. quite badly by the two managerial searches that we had to conduct in, in 2017. And of course, they played out in the public eye. I, I don't think at any point Rangers got in front of the story. I think that they were always reacting and playing catch-up. And of course... A vacuum <laughs> does not is not allowed to exist round Rangers. If if the club aren't leading the the news cycle, then people will fill it for them, and that's what happened on both occasions. I think just confused and and made the issue a, a lot worse for them. And then how it ended up both times, I I think they came out of it with their credibility damaged. And this to me would be another example of shooting themselves in the foot. I, I really don't think they should make an announcement till they have something to announce. But, I mean, if they do next week, then yeah. that's that's the decision they make. That's one thing. I mean, a few names being kicked about. Obviously, the latest one that, that seems to be gathering about, and this is just rumours, is, is Frank De Boer. Um, my understanding is is that there has been contact, but there would be a long way to go on that, that, that he has a lot of conditions that he would want met. And... That is obviously a, a big name. It's interesting. It's uh, much more of a project manager, though, than maybe some people would have been wanting. But if, if anything, I suppose that the last 18 months has taught me is that we don't necessarily have a queue of top quality managers running mm. down PRW, unfortunately desperate to take the job. No, I think, um, just your point, David, about getting in front of the story, I think I picked up a daily record during the week at my grand's house and there was a story in the back about, once again, Kamarnock and Steve Clark rubbishing the link. Now, to my knowledge, Rangers have said nothing about Steve Clark. It's all basically been, you know, basically guys in the papers and online stuff. So for them to be, you know, rubbishing Rangers' approach that hasn't happened is, you know, quite astonishing. Um, That's a good point, no, and, and to me it only indicates, if I was to put on my somewhat cynical hat, for a moment, to me, it's sort of like they build this up to the point that it becomes publicly perceived that Rangers are after Steve Clark, and then when it doesn't happen, Clark and or Kilmarnock and or people in the media who don't like us can give it the whole, oh, Clark turned them down as well, um, when in fact, of course, there has been no approach for him. So, yeah, I mean, if you were to to have that sort of mindset, and I think it's difficult to look at our chums in, in, in that particular estate and not have a bit of cynicism based on what we've seen the last few years, that would be what I would would certainly think uh, as unworthy a thought as it might be. That would be my take on it. Because you're right, there's absolutely no indication coming out of Rangers that Steve Clark uh, is a top target. But the way the papers have been talking, you'd think that you know we're on the phone to Kilmarnock three times a week. No. <laughs> I, I, well, I it's not the first time though Kilmarnock have been a bit presumptuous about talking about Rangers you know, you'll remember the whole Jordan Jones stuff it does seem to be something that's in the water down there at the moment well I mean there's strange people doing that way as you, as you well know that's but, why um, I never leave the house mate <laughs> and that's why I stay well that's true enough uh, yeah so no it's uh, you know I mean, I'm a dogs person um, I suppose we've got to cover this but it's so utterly tragic that it, it pains me to even talk about it James Dorman, um, resident sort of SNP 
Gonk, um, who some of you may know from his Twitter. I'm sure you've been banned by him, or blocked by him rather. Uh, Twitter that he left forever a few weeks ago, he's back on. And this week he posted uh, what appeared to be a leaflet or a flyer about uh, uh, inverted commas before I get reported to the to the police, uh, this is what he claimed it said, Smash Athenian Day, where, which was very reminiscent of uh, snake, uh, the snake battering event in The Simpsons, uh, when apparently you could get points, I'm not making this up, for various things you might do to the aforementioned F word, uh, including I think it was 100 points for punching, uh, 200 points for putting in hospital. I mean, utter nonsense, clearly. And yet he posted this like it was a real genuine thing, claimed he'd reported it to the police. Uh, a lot of supporters, I, myself included, pointed out that not one single Rangers fan had even heard of this thing, this thing that apparently was being passed around Rangers supporters. Um, and it would appear to have been completely and utterly made up. The question, of, of course, is by whom? Uh, the insidious nature of this is, I think, what's most troubling. The fact that this guy's an MSP and, at best, is, if I'm being very generous in my interpretation here, David, at best is unintentionally fermenting discord and sectarian division in Scotland with something that was so obviously ludicrous that it wouldn't have fooled a five-year-old. Mm, I mean... <laughs> It's quite sad, the situation we're in now, but this is pretty much par for the course, you know? Mm. I mean, I'm sure, David, you've heard this as well. Um, you only voted no because you're a Rangers fan or because you're a Hun. Yeah. amount of times I've had that levied at me. And, you know, <laughs> my political beliefs have never came into my thoughts on what football team I support. I was a Rangers fan before I knew what politics was. You know, I was a Rangers fan before I knew what the United Kingdom was, you know, what constitutes countries and governments so never once came into my thought <laughs> I'm quite happy to leave politics and football separate I have you know I have Rangers fans who I have friends who are Rangers fans who you know go through the full political gam uh, gambit some are Tories some are Labour supporters and I do know some Rangers fans who are S&P voters and yes voters and the same say I know Celtic fans who voted no and ones who voted yes I'm quite happy to leave politics to one side as people say if you're a Rangers fan, you know, you shouldn't be voting for this. Thanks best. But I think cannot be denied now is that the current Scottish government, the SNP, clearly have a problem with Rangers. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's utterly, you can't, it's utterly transparent that some of them at least, again, if we're going to be generous and try to be fair, have a continued issue. And this is why we get stuff like this. But, it, I mean, it, it's nasty and it's vile mm -hmm. because it is attempting to sow discord. And for an MSP to... If he believed that it was genuine, then one, he's an idiot. But two, he claimed to have reported it to the police. Why then did he feel the need to go public with it instantly? What reaction was he expecting to get? And the only thing you can think is that he was hoping that people within his own echo chamber who share his thoughts would agree that this is so terrible and use it to castigate people, i.e. us, who they believe they don't like, who they believe are the enemy, who they believe represent things that they don't like. And it's 
it, it's genuinely evil because it would have taken you a few minutes to work out what the gen- if someone sent me something like that, my first question would be, well, where did you get it? You know, instantly I would ask, show me where you got this from. Certainly if you want me to go and talk about it, then show. The witless glee with which that then appeared, and this is before you get into, uh, he claimed he'd been emailed it, then he claimed he'd been sent a letter, then he claimed he'd been emailed it again, then he claimed when he posted it, it was actually a, a screenshot from a text message. So even before you get to the holes in the story, um, there clearly was none of that judicious investigation to find out whether or not it was genuine, and it was it was clearly not. I'll handle this over to the police, which is what someone who was genuinely concerned would have done. They would have just handed it over to the police and let them investigate. The fact that his first thought is to go public on it and to get the publicity which he which he got, uh, I think tells you a lot about the individual. I think it tells you. I mean, this is a guy who has listened to bigoted Tim bloggers in the past um, and, and and spoken to them. This is a guy who has a history of blocking Rangers fans for asking him questions. And it seems that this is a guy who, despite being a public servant, is happy to talk about a, sect- a section of the community, but never to them. And to me, that's troubling. I think it is, and I think you hit the only head here when you we talk about in his own echo chamber. You know, I think it's probably a problem that's, uh, you know, affects wider society now. People are quite happy to wrap themselves in this bubble where they don't want to hear any opposing voice to their own personal dogma. When that guy comes out with that, there's nobody that he listens to, nobody in his wee circle that's going to challenge him, like, where did this come from? How did you get it? Do you really think this is a thing that's happening? Everyone that he's like listening to was saying, "Oh, that's terrible. Well done you for exposing that. Well done you for bringing that to light." When there's, you know, no fairly sane and intelligent people on the outside going, "This doesn't look. This, <laughs> this is not cool, look quite right." Yeah, no, and, and they it's not, listen to them. So many holes in the story, and uh, I think it's a very poor reflection on on him as an individual, his party, and uh, the Scottish government. And I yeah. don't actually think that it's the end of it because I think that um, people are. Unlikely to let this one drop because of the because of the sheer I think naked hatred behind it that I mm-hmm. think that this one might run. But let's get away from that. Politics is in Scotland never the sanest place to spend time in. Let's instead go back to somewhere much more sane. Scottish football Rangers. Thankfully, thank the Lord, they're back in action this Saturday when we travel through to play uh, Scotland's premier UFC fighting squad, Motherwell at Fur Park. Three times we played them this season, David. And uh, we won two of the matches, 2-1, and they won one by a double knockout, uh, <laughs> two pinfalls and uh, submission. All joking aside, Motherwell are a bunch of hacking bastards discuss. I've, I mean, I don't think you can say much more than that. They are, you know, just a dirty bastard, a team. It was, you know, see when what happened when they played Celtic the other week and Brown got that guy sent off. It was like, when I first heard it, when I heard a Murrowell player get sent off, I don't, I don't watch Celtic as a rule. I heard about it and I said, well, that's probably about right. And so when <laughs> I seen it later on in social media, I was like, oh, fuck, that was actually one that they shouldn't have got. I, <laughs> I mean, I've been watching Scottish football now for the you know, best part of 20 years, and I, I can't remember a team as dirty as this Murrowell side. I think mid-90s hearts. Um, a wee bit before my time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I was just saying in my lifetime, mid mid nineties Hearts enjoyed a bit, but no, the, this is they had some good players, which is not something you can level at Motherwell since Louis Moult left. And 
I think it's typical of our luck that Motherwell finally do get a player sent off. Uh, he doesn't actually deserve it for once, and he gets his ban rescinded. It helps Celtic, but he doesn't get his ban. Re- he gets his ban rescinded in time to come back and kick our players. So it was, it was very much Rangers luck there with, with the aforementioned Kipri. Um, in terms of how we've played, two two one victories at Ibrox and at Fir Park. They of course beat us two 0 uh, in the League Cup semi final at Hamden, and Rangers were very poor. A Louis Malt inspired Motherwell. Now they they don't have an awful lot of players that you look at and think they're players that worry me. But again, you do have that physical aspect, and we know going into this match that they're going to make it a battle, David. It's what they do at the best of times, and mm. given that it's us especially, and I think. Rightly or wrongly, the suspicion that teams had, certainly in the Pedro era and before the January window is probably more accurate, that you could get at us, you could get us to panic, you could get us to um, shrink a little bit if you got in our faces and and were very physical. Has the window arrested that in any way or is it still a big concern? Uh, For me, it is a concern because I still don't think we've shown enough that to suggest that we have got that, you know, fight and still about us yet that we are that we have, you know, the ability to withstand the <laughs> the assault that's going to come towards us. Motherwell aren't a great team. They've only won two of the last six games. They lost to what well, come on, not Dundee, uh, sorry, Aki's recently. <laughs> They're not a great team, but it's still a match that, you know, I have my fears about. I think it's gonna be really Difficult. If you're to offer me a one nil now, I'd, I'd take it. I'd bite your hand off it. They're going to be fi- right fired up for it. You know, if they if they don't win, that basically scuppers their chances to get into the last six, which um, sorry the top six, which is apparently important to the other teams in Scotland. So, and of course, it's us coming to town as well. They'll be up for it. And I think if we play well, we'll win, which is obvious. But there is a great chance if they come at us, we will shrink. And I think this is a big test for this side to show to show us as support that we have turned the corner and we can stand up to you know these fug type teams. We do have more physical players in terms of guys like Greg Doherty, Russell mm. Martin that have come in, but I think there is still the suspicion that we may be a little soft in the middle. Graham Dorans is back and could potentially feature. Against that, it's probably the last place and team you would want to chuck in somebody who's just coming back from quite a serious long-term injury. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, it's a bit of a tricky one, um, if, if you would start them or not. Um, push comes to shove, I'd probably throw them in there because I think where we're going to beat this Motherwell team is our quality to play football, which they can't match. They're not going to beat us in a football game. If we bring Guillaume Dorns in there, I think we've got more than a chance of making it a football game. And if that's the case, we'll win and we could win by a couple of goals. Again, though, it is the feel in the back of the head, though. They could just put up Dorns a couple of times off the ball and that's him out of the game and then we suffer. Yeah, uh, I think it does come down to, you know, look, I'm not expecting our players to get protected. That would be unrealistic in Scotland. But you hope that the referee is aware that Motherwell <laughs> have a game plan and they will push to try and see how far that he's going to allow them to go and if he does let it go a la the way that it happened in the semi-final where the game just completely ran away from the referee and he just didn't have a clue what was going on then that's going to happen but again you, you look at our players and you think that okay we've got a bit of a, a, a much more talent but against that mentality against Kilmarnock uh, Rangers were 
desperately poor. By far, I think, the worst performance of the Graham Marty era uh, since January um, in terms of nothing at all that the, the team did right. Uh, in terms of changes that I'd expect to see, I'd be stunned if we didn't see Alfredo Morelos coming back into the side. Yeah, I'd think so. I mean, I think you mentioned that uh, in the pod after the last game, David, that I don't think it was really something you could criticise Marty for dropping Morelos because a lot the fans were calling for it and a lot of people had a bit of selective amnesia after the game saying it was a disgrace to drop Morelis but I think he'll come back into the squad and sorry back into the start 11 and I think in the bag of his mind he'll have a bit of you know I've got something to prove here which is ridiculous when you consider the amount of goals he has scored for us but I'm, I'm expected to come back in the team and you know I wouldn't be surprised to see him grab a goal or two as well Okie doke then on that note what is your prediction for uh, for Saturday's result? I'll go confident I'll say 2 0 Rangers I'm going to go for 2-1 Rangers I think it'll be a, a third 2-1 victory in the league over Motherwell I think it'll be a really scrappy game but I'd like to think that we would have enough about us but Motherwell are a determined side no matter um, what anybody says they, they win against Hearts in the Cup um, that they, they were under the cosh came back and got the win it was a wonder goal but they got it then of course the, the game against Celtic they did it 10 men for a long time and fought really mm-hmm. hard so they, they do have that in their locker and Rangers will need their quality players to deliver um, and if there's any sign of that sort of wretched attitude uh, and, and feeling sorry for ourselves which I think you know having watched the game now a couple of times after having watched it once that's you know, not a fun task of, of doing this job. But um, I, we we felt sorry for ourselves, and you could see that. And uh, you know, th- there was a big collective. It's a sin for me going on in our players. And if we show any of that at all, then we're in for a long afternoon because they will they will sense that and they will snap at them. Not a good side. They're not a, a, a particularly skillful side, but they are physical. Obviously, overly physical. Some would say, me included. But they will fight and they will battle. And if Rangers aren't prepared to match that then it doesn't matter we've got better players we won't get the result but yes two two victory predictions here from us ok folks that's it from Heart and Hand Extra for this week if you want more from the, the Heart and Hand team including young David who as he mentioned has show the Millennial Bears on the Heart and Hand Patreon then just visit patreon.com forward slash Heart and Hand uh, you'll find at least three shows go up every day you don't have to listen to all of them but for one ninety nine, even if you get one you like I think you'd, you, you'd find value for money and we we, we guarantee you, you'll find more than one show you like. There's tons and tons of content up there and we think you'll enjoy it. But if not, and you're just happy to, to listen to the two free shows that we put out every week, we thank you for that and for supporting us in that way. We'll be back on Monday with obviously a full breakdown of the game at uh, Fur Park on Saturday morning. Till, till then, then, all that remains for me to do is to thank our executive producers in London, Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Myers, to thank our sponsors, Maitland & Co. And for all your legal needs, just visit maitlandandco.net that's M-A-I-T-L-A-N-D and co-A-N-D-C-O dot net uh, David thank you very much for joining me pleasure David I hope our listeners out there enjoy their chocolate Sunday after the Rangers win <laughs> I do too everyone have a good Easter and I'll talk to you again on Monday cheers bye Podcast Network.